all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics and Medical Director for the Center for the Advancement of Youth at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Reliability, dependability, independent problem solving, ingenuity, and self-motivation are all characteristics that you want in a partner, an employee, or a spouse, right? How do you find that person? And more importantly, how do you become one of those people that others want? Let's talk about what's going on in your life. You can share your comments and experiences this morning by calling one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is relatively speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. And now, Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Good morning, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today this we're talking about reliability, dependability. What is it that improves work ethic? So self-discipline, work ethic, what do you want as far as an individual that you work for, that you have as a partner and a spouse? Uh, or your child. So so I'll name it for you again. Reliability, dependability, independent problem solving, ingenuity, self-motivation. That's all you want, right? Um, so how do you get that? How do you make it happen? Um, how do you become that person? How do you help your children, um, your grandchildren, become those people that you want them to be? So do you know some people who give their best to everything they do? And then there are those others who drop a task with any excuse um, at any time. Why do you think there's such a wide variation in the self-discipline and work ethic, that job completion piece? Maybe some of it's attention deficit, like we've talked about before, or executive function, like we've talked about before, or the dysfunction of your executive function. Um, but it's not all genetics, authorities tell us. It's, it's much more than that. So my question to you, listeners, is how did you learn your work ethic? 
Um, do you think you learned it at home? Did you learn it from someone that you you admired? When do you think that learning happened? And, and who was that model? Did you decide that you would be different from what you grew up with in your home and wanted to be different? Or did you just use the model that you had in your home? So work ethic is largely based in self-discipline. And despite what many of you may think, self-discipline is truly learned. It's, it's not one of those intrinsic um, entities that we're born with. It requires a lot of practice and a lot of repetition. And so I want to talk to you about a couple of uh, things as we move along that perhaps instill good work ethic, good self-discipline, that reliability, dependability that that we all want in someone else. Um, so we need to want that in ourselves. So, And I'm saying whenever you have a job that you want done, yeah, the first thing you ask for is that somebody's reliable and dependable, that they do what they say they're going to do, and they do it in a timely fashion. That's what you want. That's what you ask for. That's what you expect. So keep in mind as we're talking through this, it's not just hiring somebody to do a job. It's it's not just a child's performance in a classroom or a follow-through on chores, but it just affects all day, every day, everything in your life. If you ask someone to do something and you are pretty sure it's not going to be done, how happy will you be about that person and that person's performance? Not very happy, right? So so what do you do to instill what we're talking about? How can we make individuals um, in our presence and, and, and those that we train to go forth in life, what can we do to help them? I want you to join the conversation. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Tell us about your model. Tell us about who helped you develop your work ethic. So I'm going to go back to childhood for just a minute. I want to talk to you about um, a Harvard grant study that was done. It was the longest-running longitudinal study in history. It spans 75 years, and and it's ongoing. It started in 1938, and researchers identified two things that people need in order of happiness and to be successful. So to be happy and successful. Um, now, pause for a minute and think about what those two things might be. We've talked about them some in this show in the past. The first is love. Love is number one. So love, nurturing, somebody who is really caring about you. That doesn't have to mean that you find the love of your life and you live happily ever after. It means that you have the love of someone else, okay? It might be a parent. It might be a good friend. It, it might be um, the dedication, honestly, of an animal who loves you unconditionally. But love is most important. You know what the second one is? Work ethic. Amazing, right? So 
Um, so that's why I feel like it's so important for us to talk about the development of that that work work ethic and dependability, reliability. So let's talk about um, for a minute. We're, I'm, I want to talk to you about starting from the very beginning. But for, before we do that, I want to talk about just plain old reliability and, and dependability. Re- reliability goes hand in hand with a good work ethic. And so if if you're, you know, if individuals with good work ethics say they're they're going to do something, right? They're going to attend a work function, or they'll be there at a particular time, or that they will um, complete a job at a certain am- amount of time. Individuals with a really strong worth e- work ethic want to be appear to be reliable and dependable. And so they follow through on that, even if it takes more hours than they think it should or harder work or, yeah, they don't um, go home when they thought they should. Once a person with that good work ethic uh, says they'll do something, they are determined to be reliable so they follow through with it. They're dedicated, and they'll do anything that they can do to ensure that the job is done. They're committed, that commitment um, to be able to complete something. So they force themselves to move forward, perhaps um, because they're more motivated, um, and they're typically more productive. They typically work at a little bit of a faster pace, um, and they typically don't quit until the task is done. They don't drop something because they got frustrated. So how do you make that happen? We'll talk about that a little more. The other the other thing when you're looking for someone who has a good work, work ethic and that reliability is the ability to work in cooperation and work with the team. Often, um, individuals with good work ethic are great team members because individuals who are part of that team sort of catch the bug and learn how to press forward and move forward. So that cooperative work can be really um, beneficial at home, at school, um, in your business, in in whatever you do for work, whether or not it's working in a museum and and trying to get all the the team members who are the docents to to go around and be energized and excited about what they're showing, versus uh, people who are there with a flat face and not excited about what they're doing. So. The other thing I want to just touch on right now is um, the self-disciplined character. And I already said this. Despite what many people think self-discipline is learned, it is not that internal thing. So a a good self-disciplined character is um, one of those individuals who who knows how to control urges to stop, urges to get caught up in other things, urges to take too many breaks, 
urges to perhaps um, engage in conversation that's not productive to what you're trying to do. So um, an individual who is self-disciplined is one who clearly is going to have a better work ethic. So um, do you think you have self-discipline? If you don't, um, what do you think might be missing? Why are you having difficulty with that self-discipline? And how can you make things happen better? I'd love to hear from you as to how you think you formed your work ethic. Or do you think it's been difficult finding individuals with a good work ethic? When you're hiring or when you're looking for somebody to work with rather than work for you, um, what do you look for? What, what is that spark that you hope to find in an individual? Um, I want to hear from you, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about starting this good work ethic with children. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and stay tuned. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about work ethic, self-discipline. How do you make individuals who have that? What do you look for when you are looking for an individual that you think might have a good work ethic? How did you develop yours? What do you think the qualities are? Um, Maybe it's something that you learned from the very beginning. So today we're going to talk about um, what you need to do to help individuals develop good work ethics. And if if you don't think that you have one, I'm going to give you some clues on what you can do to help yourself. Um, But I would like to hear from you if you have some thoughts about that. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Okay. Well, I told you earlier about the Harvard grant study that was looking at um, that longitudinal study that that looked at kids and how they become um, the most successful adults with the best work ethic, the most dependability. They're just more successful. So love and work ethic were the two. So let's talk a little bit about uh, a little further about that study. Um, it was really intriguing to me. In fact, so much so that I sent it to all of my children with children and suggested that they sort of follow along with this. So I want to encourage you, if you have friends or, or children um, who have young kids or if you have young kids of your own, take notice because this is some very important information that Honestly, I think my parents must have just intrinsically knew. Um, So I'll tell you about it. 
Um, it found um, that professional success in life seemed to be um, sort of joined at the hip to chores in childhood. So children who did chores, who were expected to do chores in high school, I mean, in not high school, in childhood, tended to be more successful adults. So um, you you may have heard bits and pieces of this on the national news, but I want to just go over some of the the really important pieces of it. First of all, you can start very early with children teaching them chores. Um, Having children do chores that are age-appropriate help a child learn to develop that work ethic, to be proud of their work, and then also to be part of a team, to join in and help out instead of being waited on when they're young children. And then all of a the sudden, they get, say, into high school when people expect them to start doing things on their own. Um, what this study found was that the individuals who, who started doing chores early on and were expected at a very young age, and I'm talking about at age two. Now, they looked a lot at the Asian populations um, across the world, and it does seem that that in, in many Asian groups, individuals um, do require their children to do chores early. Um, and and it, may, it may mean help, helping set the table. It may mean picking up toys. It, it, it may mean cleaning the bathrooms, making their beds. Um, the thing that you have to remember as you're looking at that chore giving uh, to children is um, the way you can be very destructive and have a child, instead of proud of their work, disappointed, or um, one who tends to run away from the work, is if you are highly critical of the work. So to demand absolute perfection in a chore is something that we all have to remember is not okay, especially in young children. You want them to have pride in their work. That's one thing. But demanding perfection and to be critical um, when a child has completed a chore because it wasn't perfect um, may be destructive to the development, to the development of a good work ethic. So you have to be careful about the way you approach that. Does that make sense? Um, Of course, what you want to do is give an example of how you might do it. So if a child completes a chore, and it's clearly that they did not try at all, then you can say that was a good start. Um, I think it would be helpful if you did it this way next time. Instead of tearing it apart and making them start all over, which I've seen and heard parents do, um, say next time I'd like to see um, you do it this way. Um, A better way instead of being highly critical um, so what do you think about chores? Did you have to do chores as a child? Do you feel like it contributed to your 
success as an adult. Now, that sounds like a really loose connection, doesn't it? But this study, and honestly, others have have found that having children engage in helping others engage in um, doing chores can really be helpful. So I'd like to hear from you as to what... Um, what did you do or not do? I'll tell you what I did. When I grew up in a family of eight kids, there were eight of us. So, yes, my parents needed help um, every time they could get a little bit of help. So we had a dish rotation. And um, two of us had dish rotation at a time. And one would wash and the other would dry. No, we did not have a dishwasher at the time. And so um, that was just the way it was. Did my parents inspect the dishes at the end? No, they didn't. Um, They expected that if I was drying the dish that I dried it well enough to put it away and nobody was highly critical and they were probably just really grateful that it was done. Uh, When I was in the sixth grade, um, I helped in our department store wrapping gifts Um, I helped hemming pants. I learned to sew in our store. Uh, You know, and and it was all alongside my parents, who, by the way, um, were the hardest working people I'd ever known. So, um, again, I had a model. And so, you know, I think if you have a model and someone who works alongside you, and it's not that... um, Mom gives you a chore, and then she sits down barking orders as you're doing the chore. Um, That's probably not a good model, right? So if you give a chore and then you sit down with your cell phone and FaceTime or check your Facebook while your children are doing um, the chores that you gave them, probably not a good model and may cause some resentment. Now, you may deserve that downtime. You really may. But I would suggest that you not do it when you're trying to teach your child good follow-through and good work ethic because it just doesn't, um, it doesn't seem congruent, does it? But if you watch, if you watch each other and watch ourselves, um, unfortunately, I think we all fall into bad patterns where we're really not, not that good of a model. So tell us about where, what happened to you again. I need to hear from you. We need some stories. I told you mine. I want to hear what your stories are as far as um, what you think about this. Do you think teaching children to do chores very early on is wrong? Do you think that maybe as we've worked so hard to make sure that our children are engaging in, quote, productive and learning behavior, that we're forgetting about how chores can be productive and learning behavior. Give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. That's one eight seven seven mpb ring Okay, let's go on before our next break. I want to talk to you a little bit about what what you can do to help self-discipline. Again, that's part of work ethic. So number one is to remove temptations. So self-control and self-discipline is is often um, 
easier when you say out of sight, out of mind, right? So if you remove temptations and distractions from the environment, that may be a really crucial step to help with your self-discipline or your child's. So um, let's talk about what that may be. It may be that iPad that's that's um, in the room laying there on top of a table um, when a child has just been given a chore. Um, so you don't have to, quote, punish, but taking it away, you can just say, let's put it away until the chore is done, right? So remove those um, temptations. If you're trying to have better control with your your eating, get rid of the junk food. You know, I often will have... Um, Parents come into the clinic and they they talk about how, oh, their child is constantly getting into the chips or they drink, um, you know, they're drinking those soft drinks all day, every day, and they just can't get them to stop. Um, Well, my first suggestion is remove that temptation. Don't buy them. You will save money if you have water and milk in the house or um, only healthy snacks like fresh fruit. So remove the temptations. Um, that's one. The other thing, and, and this sounds a little bit against the good work ethic, um, eat regularly and healthily. And, and by that, I mean, um, take, it, it's okay to have a good work ethic and good self-discipline and job completion, but you need to learn how to take breaks that will rejuvenate you. And one of them is to make sure you, you have your breaks where you can eat. Um, studies have shown that low blood sugar can, can weaken a resolve. So you want to make sure that um, you are an individual who are strong and healthy. So um, if you're if you're hungry, it takes focus away. So again, I just talked about keeping junk food away if you're going to have good self-discipline, but at the same time, you need to make sure that you have those healthy snacks or healthy meals there. Um, now, this is a hard one. Um, so uh, as far as the self-discipline, here's another one. Don't wait for it to feel like it's the absolute right time. Um, You know, you hear this from writers and artists often. The really successful writers and and the really successful artists talk about how they view it, even though it's very creative and um, they, they need to have their creative hat on, they um, often are disciplined enough that they isolate a certain number of hours a day that they will sit down and work. Um, And sometimes it may not be successful work, but it is that isolated time to clear their minds, to sit down and try to work in that creative mode. So don't wait until it's absolutely the right time to do the job, but make sure that you give yourself um, the the time. And then schedule those breaks. Um, schedule rewards for yourself. And if you're working um, with children 
or other individuals in your workplace, yes, it's important to demand work and good work and the the tenacity of staying at work. But it's also important to remember that you're going to reinforce the good kind of work behavior if you schedule breaks. Schedule stand-up time, exercise time. I love it when I'm in a seminar and the person leading the seminar understands that, gosh, they've been sitting for 45 minutes to an hour. It's time to stand up, uh, do jumping jacks, um, go take a break, do whatever. But it's really important as you're expecting self-motivation and 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 all of that and a good self-discipline character that you add the things in that make one successful. Okay, so when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more um, from our next break about uh, the, the chore issue and how we move into being a person who can really be a reliable Uh, team player who has an excellent work ethic. I want to hear from you. What did you do as a child? What was your first job? Do you think you had a good work ethic? Um, Have you ever had a, have you ever been let go from a job because of a poor work ethic? Were you able to make any changes? Have you helped someone else who you thought maybe needed help there? Give us a call. Share your stories at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is relatively speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and today we're talking about self-discipline, work ethic, How do you create that, that reliability, dependability, independent problem-solving, ingenuity, self-motivation? Those are all the things we want, right? How do you get them? Can you make them happen? Well, actually, the answer is yes, you can. Um, They're not things that you're born with. They're, they're, They're characteristics that you can create. Now, you're born with those blue eyes and that six-foot-thin stature or those brown eyes and that dark, curly hair. Um, but it's, it's not work ethic, reliability, dependability are things that you can make. You can make in yourself, and you can be an individual that everybody wants to be around. So we're talking about how you can do it today. And um, I want you to give us a call and let us know what you think about that at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to our first caller. We have Duran in Huntsville, Alabama. Good morning. Thanks for calling, Duran. Good morning. How are you? Great. Tell us what your thoughts are. Oh, well, I just wanted to comment about the uh, 
self-discipline, the self-discipline. Uh, I, my mother, she, she instilled work ethic in us, and she get up early every day, regardless if we had chores or if if there was something that needed to be done. We had to get up, and um, and she made us realize that if we wanted anything, we were going to have to work for it. So I, I had an older brother who was uh, about four years older than I am. Mm-hmm. He still is. He still still is. Good. Yeah. And as as a kid, I watched him when he got into his teenage years. He had like two or three. He had like a, a couple of jobs, and he also had a hustle where he would um, sell tapes, sell eight track tapes. Uh huh. But, but he worked consistently every day to make money to be able to buy a car for himself and things like that. So that really, when I saw how he really got up every day and worked to get what he wanted, you know, I said, I want to strive to be like that uh-huh. like or like him. Rather. And do you feel like that it worked for you? Was that, it sounds like you had two wonderful models and your mother and your brother. Do you? I really, I really do feel like it worked, and um, and I, I, I've had uh, three or four jobs in, uh, in my working career, and um, but I would always, um, when overtime was available, I would, I would uh, work, and because most of the time overtime was a lot easier than a regular work day, so I would always uh, go and get the overtime. And um, and I, I I still to this day even when I'm when I'm off and trying to enjoy my days off I still get up early. Mm-hmm. I still get up early and I and I still um, make a list of what I need to get done that day, <laughs> and and I and I work to get it done. You know that's interesting. They talk um, uh, the the studies and articles about work ethic and self discipline. Um, talk about how individuals um, sort of model their entire life um, around that work ethic. So the productivity, even at home, continues even even if it's not part of your job. It's just dedication to. To to have to be productive, to be organized, and and the like. So, Duran, you're you're bringing up something that um, that you know we've been talking about this morning, and that is that model. How important that model is. And and one thing you you said your mother instilled in you that that if you if you really wanted something if i guess material item um or accomplishment that you had to work for it and um right and exactly and i don't know whether your mother could could have afforded to give you anything that you wanted or not um i think most of us had parents who couldn't but they might have been able to afford things for us when they believe that we should work for them first. Um, right. Right. Well, right. Exactly. But my, my mother could not afford it. And, mm-hmm. and I believe that a lot of times that is, that is a good thing because 
sometimes you can you, you can ruin a child by just giving them too much and not instilling discipline in them, and then and they just they just don't turn out to be you know the way you hope they would. Right. So, Duran, you brought up something that I was. Um, going to uh if you didn't and that is how many how many kids out there and uh, listeners i want you to call in and talk about this too what duran just said if if how how you can ruin a child by giving them too much so duran developed his work ethic through his mother he he learned that uh, he had to work for things if he wanted them. Now, mom couldn't afford to buy the things, but she didn't say, no, you can't have them because I can't afford to buy them. She said, if you want that, you have to work for it. And so I think that's the kind of lesson we need to teach kids, not about whether their parents are wealthy enough to afford everything they want. How many individuals do you know out there, and listeners, I know you have stories about this, how many individuals um, from wealthy families were the most unhappy people in the world who engaged in self-medication with substance abuse um, and and risky behaviors because they're just, you know, they got their Mercedes at 16 and there was nothing else to reach for or um, they never had to work for anything. So they had no idea how to have job satisfaction because they never were they never did anything that made them feel terribly proud. Now, I don't want to to corner this all into rich kids are spoiled brats and poor kids are great workers because it doesn't work that way. You've got lots of kids who grew up in uh, families with money who were highly successful, also highly motivated, learned a good work ethic. And you you have children who grow up, grew up in the most impoverished families and still ended up being individuals with incredible work ethic. So um you can you it it depends on the model and that's why it's so important for us to remember that Duran, I, I really appreciate your call thanks so much for joining in and all right, you're welcome all right bye bye well, we've got lots of open lines and plenty of time for callers, so I'd love for you to call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. As we talk a little more about um, that, that work ethic. Um, so... As we're moving along, um, you know, there I talked about how um, much in the Asian um, community uh, there's that highly instilled work ethic out there, but there are many other um, communities um, and ethnic groups that do a very um, good job. Um, there are Mayan communities 
<clears throat> where children see themselves as as partners and that that they work alongside uh, their families they're they're certainly in the Hispanic population in Mexican American communities many times children um, are doing um, many chores that that uh, typical European Americans don't do and they're very helpful and highly productive and end up as productive individuals so again learning the work ethic early is is highly highly important let's go back to the phones we have Taylor Haley in Tocopola Mississippi yes, well Haley where in the world is Tocopola I, I <laughs> promise I've never heard of that it's just a little wide spot in the road between Pontotoc and Oxford, Mississippi. Okay, I got it. Wide spot in the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. And um, I love your show, and I was Thank listening you. today, and, and I wanted to share um, my story. Because, I mean, of course, we all have things that we can work on with our work ethic and accountable for our own behavior and things like that. But I, it did start whenever I was a kid. Um, and my grandfather instilled in us, um, you know, a full day's work for a full day's pay and anything less is stealing, you know. Yeah, um, and yeah. Even on the, yeah, it was awesome. And at the time I was like, oh, no. But as an adult, I get it, you know. <clears throat> but he, he demanded things from us uh, the summers that we stayed there. We would collect the eggs out of the chicken coops and, um, you know, I would sweep up hair in my grandmother's beauty shop for quarters um and that did definitely translate into my adult life mm-hmm. um because even from a young age i was like if i work i'm gonna get paid <laughs> right and, um and as a, a a young adult i had a wonderful wonderful mentor um a lady that i worked for and she demanded excellence from everyone around her you know down to you know, dust on the shelves. If you don't take time to dust it, no one's going to take time to buy it. That kind of lady. Uh-huh, and she was uh-huh, hard. Uh-huh. But I appreciate the things that she taught me as a young adult because she did not give me a free pass on anything. Um, and so, you know, I think that it, it definitely is the people in our lives that affect how we see work and reward. Yeah. Haley, I have a couple of questions for you. So your grandfather, did you view him as a hardworking man himself? He was. Yeah. He was definitely a hardworking man. He was up and dressed by the time the sun came up. And, you know, he worked hard all day. So. And probably the same thing for your grandmother in her salon. You were sweeping up that hair that she was trimming, right? And so <laughs> it was one of those things where you got to view a, an excellent work ethic. Um, absolutely, absolutely. She was an entrepreneur in the time, you know, deep south, whenever it was not viewed for women to have a business of their own in, in a good light. Um, you know, and now I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur myself. And so I really think that having that figure in my life, especially those, um, was really instrumental. Very reinforcing. And then it sounds like you had an early boss who was, who was very good. And again, um, I think the, the model comes, um, from, 
not just hearing about what the behavioral expectations are, but also that somebody that is telling you to have a good work ethic clearly has one. And so you're you're watching that and they are molding you. And that is why we need to remember that that this, again, this isn't inborn character. This is created character from that nurturing uh, model that you get from other individuals. Uh, Haley, it sounds like you smile when you talk about your grandparents. I love, I love that. And, and I absolutely do. They, you know, and I still use some of the things that they told me with my own kids. Um, I have a five and an 11 year old and, you know, they get, a small age-appropriate allowance, um, and they don't receive it unless they do their chores for it, um, and, and age-appropriate chores for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think um, that's one thing. What we'll do is maybe we'll take our final break now, and when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about those age-appropriate chores. What, do you, what did you have to do as a child, and um, do you give your child chores to do? Um, do you have pushback? If you do, what do you do? Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We're talking today about work ethics, self-discipline, And those models that help us become the people that we are, whether good or bad, whether good work ethic or not so good. Um, We've had a couple of great calls who talked about how they had those early models as young children, and that seemed to make the difference in their abilities as an adult to become one who had pride in their work, the ability to reach out and... um, do a good job um, with that self-motivation, not because somebody was behind them making them do the chore. Um, I want to bring up something that um, that you might want to take a look at. There are several excellent articles, but there is an a, a anthropologist, David Lancey, at Utah State University, who who looked at the anthropology perspectives on children as helpers, workers, artisans, and laborers. Now, there may be some people out there who are going, oh, my goodness, laborers. I hate that word um, for children. But the the this particular book really does focus on 
individuals and how early you can instill that pride in work. And it seems like toddlers, according to his work, and actually there's some documentation from others, are um, intrinsically want to be helpers. And so many times, even though, yes, you have a toddler who's engaging in temper tantrums and doing all kinds of negative stuff, often you can distract them, if you think about it, and try this sometimes, by giving them a chore to do or help asking them to help you with something. Um, so if you're in the kitchen and um, washing dishes and you have that three-year-old who seems to be getting into everything, pull a stool up to the sink, give them something easy to do and have them start helping with that or help them die, get them to help dust or help sweep, you'll see that that engagement, you don't have to give them a reward. You don't even have to give them an allowance for this. If you start early engaging a child early and learning um, how to do chores with pride, um, you'd be surprised how studies have shown that this really works. And that's why there are some societies that have children who engage in in household care and caretaking without ever having to be rewarded with allowance. It's just part of who they are and what they do. So um, raking leaves, taking out composting. I know I talked to my daughter about this article a few weeks ago when I read it and thought how wonderful um, this information was and how much we needed to to start doing a better job with our young children instead of allowing them to be privileged and that you wait on them, give them chores. Um, My daughter started this with her seven and three-year-old or then six and three-year-old. And um, I asked her how it was going. And she said, Mom, it's amazing. They love doing it. They love helping. They like having their chores identified that only they are the ones who do these chores. So what do you think about that? I think that I challenge all of you listeners out there to be that model for others, be that work model for others, that self-discipline, self-motivation, show others how to do it. And those of you who are in charge of molding these little children's lives, get out there. Um, Start teaching them early. Let that two-year-old do a chore for you, honestly. Um, Or let them work with you. That's the best way. Let them engage with you in, in doing the chores. And make it fun and praise. Remember to praise. They don't have to have done the best job ever, but they worked hard and they helped you. Those are the words you need to use. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Today's show was engineered by our producer, Jay White, our call screener, the beautiful Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.